0: Welcome to the sermons of Steve Galloway, pastor of First Baptist Church, Macon, Mississippi. Let us join together and study God's word and apply it to our hearts so that we may learn his truths and live faithful, obedient lives. May God bless our time together. Well, we're looking at the entire chapter of chapter 17 of Revelation. And basically what we're looking at is Babylon being considered the the religious center of what's going on during the tribulation. So allow me to read this passage. Revelation chapter 17, verses 1 through 18. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and spoke to me, saying, Come here, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed acts of immorality, and those who dwell on the earth were made drunk with the wine of her immorality. And he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast full of blasphemous names and having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was clothed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls and having in her hand a gold cup full of abominations and of the unclean things of her immorality. And on her forehead a name was written, A mystery. Babylon the Great, the the mother of harlots and of uh, the abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints, and with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. When I saw her, I wondered greatly. And the angel said to me, Why do you wonder? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not... And is about to come up out of the abyss and go to destruction. And those who dwell on the earth, whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, will wonder when they see the beast, that he was, that he was and is not and will come. Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits, and they are seven kings Five have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must remain a little while. And the beast which was and is not is himself also an eighth and is one of the seven. And he goes to destruction. The seven horns which are, that you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom. But they receive authority as, as kings with the beast from one hour. They have one purpose, and they give their power and authority to the beast. These will wage war against the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, because He is the Lord of lords and King of kings, and those who are with Him are the called and chosen and faithful. And He said to me, The waters which you saw, which the harlot sits, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. And the ten horns which you saw and the beasts... These will hate the harlot and will make her desolate and naked and will eat her flesh and will burn her up with fire for God has put in their hearts to execute his purpose by having a common purpose and by giving their kingdom to the beast until the words of God will be fulfilled. The woman who you saw is a great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. Okay. If you notice after the, seven seals are, are open, after the seven trumpets are blown, and now after the seven bowls are, are distributed, there's always some type of a pause before the next main thing. Well, the next main thing is going to be Jesus' appearing. So now again we see another one of these pauses between the last of the seven bowls of judgments and the coming of Christ. So what's the purpose of this? Well, chapters 17 and 18 are basically talking about Babylon, but they talk about Babylon in two different ways. Chapter 17 focuses on Babylon as the center of the false religion that prevails during the first half of the tribulation. Chapter 18 deals with Babylon as pretty much the center of finances and political uh, situation. And so today we're basically looking at Babylon as the center of false religion that was prevalent during the first half of the tribulation. The reason why it's the first half is because when the Antichrist, when the beast desecrates the temple, when he basically says, I am God and you are to worship me and me alone, then there is no other religion other than the worship of the beast. But prior to that, uh, well, we're going to get into that. We'll we'll see that. But we need to be reminded of the role that Babylon has played throughout history. Now, the first real mention of Babel, uh, Babylon is not really Babylon, it's Babel, the the Tower of Babel. If you go back uh, earlier, you see that Nimrod had led the people in that region to build a tower to heaven so they could reach and be in the presence of God, or even be God, to be as good as God. And God compounded them, scattered them, confused their languages. So we look and we see that Babylon has always had a place uh, uh, to play, but especially in the tribulation. This is actually the third time that we've heard about Babylon, just in the book of Revelation. Revelation 14.8 says, And another angel, a second one, followed, saying, Fallen. Fallen is Babylon the Great, she who has made all the nations drink of the wine of the passions of her immorality. Then a couple of chapters later in Revelation sixteen, nineteen, says, And the great city was split into three parts, and the city of the nations fell. Babylon the Great was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of his fierce wrath. And then here in chapter seventeen, verses four and five. The woman was clothed in purple and scarlet And adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a gold cup full of abominations and of the unclean things of her immorality. And on her forehead a name was written, a mystery. Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. Even the Old Testament, Isaiah and other prophets spoke about Babylon. Sometimes they spoke about its fall, the natural fall that took place uh, when the Medo-Persians conquer Babylon, but they also speak of the end-time judgment of Babylon, which is what we're seeing here. And so, like much of the scriptures and passages that we've studied in Revelation, there's a number of symbolic figures. We're not really talking about a woman sitting by great waters, sitting on some kind of a beast. These are all images, uh, symbolic figures, and we're going to see what they represent. Well, verses 1 through 6 describe a harlot sitting on many waters. Well, again, Babylon is that harlot. Uh, Babylon basically destroyed the Jewish people, took them into captivity. So we know that. Again, Nimrod uh, you know, helped the people build the Tower of Babel. So now Babylon, even though the original city and the original nation of Babylon no longer exists. Now Babylon stands as basically the symbol of all who stand against God. Nimrod with Babel stood against God. Babylon stood against God's people, took them into captivity. So now Babylon basically represents that final world religion, uh, which again uh, is totally anti-God, anti-Christ. In that way, she's depicted as a harlot. Now, the word harlot basically means a prostitute and God even called Jerusalem and the Jewish peoples harlots when they would go after false false teachings and uh, worship idols he says you're acting the harlot you're going after that which is not true you're not worshiping me you're worshiping idols and so that same term is used for uh, Babylon who's now leading the world in worshiping that which is not god that which is not of christ now the picture is of this harlot sitting on many waters well the original actual city of babylon was located along the euphrates river which is a powerful source of life and commerce but here the many waters represents powerful influences throughout the world and is the influence that this false religion is going to have over the entire world, and we're going to see more of that in just a little while. But the word harlot is used here to represent this false religious religion of idolatry and blasphemy against God. Back in verse 1, uh, John gives us a glimpse that this harlot, this false religion, will face judgment. It says, come here, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. And so we know that God's guile, this in plan, even some 2,000 years ago, he was telling John that this harlot, this false religion, would be judged. But however, at the moment, she has great influence. During the first half of the tribulation, this harlot, this world religion, was basically leading all the people uh, against God. And uh, verse 15 kind of jumped down because it is connected Verse 15 says, and he said to me, the waters which we see back in the first few verses, the waters which you saw, where the, har- where the harlot sits, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. In other words, all the people of the world are represented by the waters that the ba- that the um, that Babylon, this harlot, sits at. In other words, she has this false religion has incredible. Influence and power over the world in a religious sense. Now, again, this false religion is basically seen in the first three and a half years of the tribulation. If you look, the Antichrist, when he came on the scene after the after the rapture, he makes a pact of peace with the leaders of the world, and so this really is the beginning of the tribulation. Power to, to seem like he can just draw everybody together and we can all agree with him and we can all stand behind him. We will all follow him. Well, at that time, one of the greatest ways was, okay, let's get everybody in unity. And religion was the way, a choice, to get everybody under one umbrella. And so basically there became one religion, and we'll also see at the midpoint there becomes one finance because everybody had to either take the mark of the beast on their hand or their forehead in order to buy or sell anything that they needed. And so and we also see it as the, the central government. Everything flowed out from this Antichrist, the beast. So in this passage, Babylon the harlot represents the central false religion that the people uh, that the entire world basically bowed down to now this false religion was fleshly oriented look at what the scriptures say in her hand is a cup full of abominations and unclean things of her immorality verse 4 and so we see this immorality as all obviously being against god against god's will but there is a sexual immorality as a part of this. And, and you read, you have to look at the, the true meanings of some of the words that are mentioned here. Now, if you go back to Rome, Rome was a powerful force. Basically, it controlled most of the known world while, during the Roman Empire. Well, Rome really did not fall from without. It fell from within, from the corruption and the, the, the ways that the people lived. They became so immoral, so sexually immoral, they would have feasts where they would get drunken and have sexual orgies and all sorts of things. And and the level of immorality, you know, homosexuality, all these types of things. These were really what helped Rome to crumble. They really crumbled from within. Well, we always wonder, well, what does this mean to us? Well, look at our nation today. What is the prevalent things on our news today? Sexual immorality in every form and fashion that you can imagine, and some that we probably can't imagine. So we look and we see this false religion is basically based on the sinful desires of man. In other words, the religion is let's all get together and enjoy doing what feels good. And since God is not in the picture, what feels good is the fleshly desires. And so that is basically what uh, is being promoted it says this is seen as them being drunk with the wine of her immorality. Whatever this, quote, religion says, basically says, if it feels good, do it. It doesn't matter how perverted it is. It doesn't matter anything. Just do what feels good. And the immorality just continued to fester and grow. But since they had rejected God and they were just now feeding on this sinful desire of the flesh... Is really an easy path to follow because they entered into the tribulation without God, and so immediately they're confronted with this false religion that just continue to do what you've been doing, follow what you want to do. Well, we see here, you know, the, the central part of this uh, false religion, the central figure, is actually going to be the Antichrist, the Beast. But we see that the the harlot is sitting on a scarlet beast. Full of blasphemous names. This false religion is based, again, on the personal appeal of the Antichrist and his charisma and his ability to draw, really, the entire world around him. Now, again, this is not a real beast. We dealt with that when we saw the beast coming out of the sea, which is the Antichrist. This beast is described as scarlet. Well, scarlet often uh, depicted royalty or great wealth, but also it relates to the color of blood. And so we're going to really see the full meaning of the Antichrist because his intention is to persecute and execute any who will not one day bow down before him. So that's the beast. Now let's get back to the harlot, verses 4 and 5. She's dressed with great adornment. We, we see, uh, picking up in verse 4, she's clothed in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a gold cup in her hand, So we see her basically depicted in beauty, adornment, with riches. Well, you know, there are a lot of religions in our world today that are very rich because all they do is feed off of others to give them more and more and more. And so that they are basically preaching a religion of greed for themselves so they can become greater and mightier. That's the picture of this harlot. She's in great adornment, and the rest of the world is so fleshly oriented that they're not appalled at her immorality. They just go right along with it and say, well, if she has all this because of how she is living, then if we live this same way, we'll have it. Now, what we're going to see, I believe, is that those who are willing to follow this false religion and later on bow down before the beast... I believe that they are going to be blessed by this beast in a ungodly way, that the Satan will have supernatural powers, not like God, but he will have some supernatural powers. And I believe personally that he will enable those who will worship him and at this point follow the, this false religion. I believe that they will prosper in all that they do. And so John's kind of saying, who is this? What's going on? And so the angel says, why are, you, why are you wondering? And so the angel says, okay, let me tell you what you're seeing. He calls it a mystery. Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and the abomination of the earth. Now, we've already dealt with the word mystery in uh, Revelation. It's not that people during the Tribulation will see it as a mystery. But those prior to the tribulation will because they will not know who this harlot is. They will not know who the Antichrist is until that point. But there's so much a description that if you were in the tribulation, you would know. But we see that um, this false religion is basically a source of blasphemy. And verse 6, it says, And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. Now, what does that mean? It means that they are totally against God and His people. We know that the first half of the Tribulation, that even those who become followers of Christ, they don't have it too bad. They can still buy and they can still sell. They can still function in life. There's, there's not a mark of the beast. There's not you know, anything like that until the midpoint of the Tribulation. Those who are worshipers of Christ are now being persecuted, and some probably are being executed, but not to the extent that it will happen in the second half. But anyhow, we do know that throughout history, even today, long before the Tribulation, that there are many Christians being persecuted and martyred today. So even during the Tribulation, we know that's going to be taking place at that time as well. And so she's she's drunk off this persecution, drunk off of the blood of the saints and the witnesses of Christ. And so her joy is found in persecuting God's people. And again, she began persecuting them. We, we go back to the earlier part of Revelation where the saints at the, at the altar are crying out, How long, O Lord, will you wait until you get your vengeance on those who, who shed our blood? So that's exactly who we, we are looking at. And so those who reject the beast openly will be executed. We know that we see a a major escalation of that in the second half of Revelation, of the tribulation. She, the false religion that's being, being carried out, is really the central focus on the beast who's become drunk with the power of holding the very lives of others in their hands. And so then verses 7 through 14 we really see the angel explaining the beast, not the harlot, not the woman, but the beast itself. The beast says, was and is not, and is about to come out of the abyss. Now, what we know about the beast is that he's not Christ, because Jesus is who was, who is, and who is to come. But the beast is who was and who is not, and is about to come up out of the abyss for a short time. And so that's what we see. This Antichrist wants to appear to be like Christ, but is not. So we look and we see that he's described as having seven heads. The seven heads are described as seven mountains, which which represent seven kings. Seven heads, seven mountains represent seven kings. Well, it says that five of these have fallen. The other... One is, and the other has not yet come. Five have fallen, one is, one has not yet come. Well, you could scratch your head a lot, but here's really the simple thing. There have been a number of kingdoms, empires, who have held power over God's people. You go all the way back to Egypt. The Egyptians held the power over God's people. That's number one. Then the next great world power that came along was Assyria. They attacked the northern kingdom and basically conquered them, took some into captivity. That's number two. Then Babylon conquered Assyria and then conquered the southern kingdom of of Judah and took them into captivity. Babylon is number three. Then the Medo-Persians conquered Babylon. And they became the world uh, leaders. They had held sway over God's people. They were still in captivity. It was later that uh, Cyrus, uh, Persian, you know, released some of the Jewish people to go back to Israel. But again, the Medo-Persians had the power and authority over uh, God's people. So that's number four. Guess who f- filled in the blank after them? Greece. Greece became the world power, and they became the ones who had uh, authority over God's people who reigned over them. So that's five, right? Five have fallen. One is, when John had this vision, who was the world power? Rome. Who is is number six, and that is Rome. And then, who is to come? Well, that is this power on earth during the tribulation. And it mimics Rome. It mimics it in a very powerful way. And so a lot of the illusions that we have about this Antichrist uh, have some similarities to Rome. If you look at Rome, it says that Rome was built on seven hills. Huh. My goodness. Look at this. The beast. We see he's on. He has seven heads and seven mountains, seven hills. So there's a lot of illusions that kind of point towards Rome. But we look, and he also is described as having ten horns. These represents kings or leaders under him, and the ten horns basically kind of represent either nations or regions. Um, The picture that most people believe is that under the Antichrist, under the beast, that he will set up ten regions throughout the world. They may not just be continents. They may not be just countries. They may be uh, agglomerations of countries. But there will be ten regions, and he will set up leaders over those ten regions. Now, there are some divisions in our world today made by the United Nations and other organizations I don't think any of them add up to 10 right now but they they are in the nine seven to nine category and they they group them by different things demographics and all sorts of different things but basically you would probably have North America you'd have South America you'd have North Africa you'd have South Africa you'd have uh, Western Europe and Eastern Europe, you'd have Asia, and things like that. So you could easily see how the nations of the world and the peoples of the world could be divided. So the picture is that there would be ten regional leaders or dictates, and they would all be totally loyal to the Antichrist. We've seen that these kings will basically do anything that the Antichrist desires, and we've already seen a picture of the future where the Battle of Armageddon is going to take place where the, the Euphrates will dry up and all the armies of the world, these ten regions, will come together for that final battle. And so we look and we see that um, this beast is the Antichrist and we know that he is going to be reigning over the world and there's not going to be anybody that really objects all these leaders will be handpicked. they'll be totally loyal to him and so anything he wants from their nations or their regions they will do and when uh, as we saw earlier when those three images that look like frogs who have abilities to do all sorts of things go out to these leaders they gather them for that final battle of Armageddon so then we look at verses 16 and 17 We go, okay, there's something unique going on here. We started chapter seventeen talking about this harlot, this world religion. Look at verses sixteen and seventeen. And the ten horns which you saw of the beast, they will hate the harlot, and will make her desolate and naked, and will eat her flesh, and will burn her up with fire. They're going to do away with this world religion. Why? Satan has spent three and a half years building up this false religion so that all the people would be under one religious belief. And now it says that these ten leaders, these ten regional leaders, will lead their people to hate this harlot and will execute this harlot will make her desolate and naked and eat her flesh and burn her up with fire. Well, here's what takes place. Again, you got to remember, we're right at that midpoint of the tribulation as, as we're speaking here. What takes place at the midpoint? This beast, the Antichrist, basically says, forget all the other religions. Forget anything else you've ever worshipped. Forget the idols that you worship. Forget all these things. There's only one focus for you to worship on, and that's me. I am God, is what he will proclaim. He says, I don't need a harlot. I don't need some world religion. You just bow before me. Take my mark on your hand or your forehead, and you worship me. There's going to be a false teacher, the false Holy Spirit, who will set up an, an image of me. It will speak to you with my power. It will tell you what you need to believe and what you need to do. So, it doesn't matter what you have been worshiping up until this point. I am your center of worship. I am God. And so, basically, this false religion is not really needed anymore. because calls this Antichrist will take that place. And so we look and we see this is that next step to this world one world government, one world finance, and one world worship of him as God. Until that time the woman, the harlot, will entice all away from the true worship of God. So the harlot, the false religion was here's the purpose of that re- world that world religion Any who came out of the rapture and enter into the tribulation who had heard the gospel, who may have said, I missed out, I didn't believe it the way I should have believed it, but I've heard the gospel, I know what is true now. This world religion, this false religion, is to try to counteract any gospel presentation, anyone who might believe the gospel, anybody who might want to say, this is what we need to believe, They're going to try to counteract that through this uh, false religion. By the three and a half years, it's going to be pretty clear who is following this false religion and has rejected God and rejected uh, Jesus and those who have not. And so what we're going to see is that those who have rejected Jesus or never did accept him in the first place are primed to go right into that second half of the tribulation. They're going to be perfectly satisfied. Those who for three and a half years have said, no, we have made a mistake. We're going to worship Jesus no matter what. Well, they're the ones who are going to enter into that last three and a half years. And they will be facing the persecution and execution. And so look at verse 17. For God has put in their hearts to execute his purpose. Notice that. To execute his purpose. What Satan through the Antichrist, thinks he's doing, getting to this midpoint of the tribulation, say, I am God. Look at what God says. For God has put in their heart to execute his purpose by having a common purpose and by giving the kingdom to the beast until the words of God will be fulfilled. Three and a half years, God's words will be fulfilled. The woman you saw is the great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. So for the first three and a half years, this woman, this harlot, is a false religion that leads anybody away from the witness of the 144,000, the two witnesses, and any who came out of the rapture and said, we know the truth. We just didn't know that we knew the truth, and we're going to follow Jesus from this day forward. So you have that group that the false religion is going to be doing everything to do try to draw them away from worship of Jesus so that when that midpoint comes they will be ready to embrace the Antichrist the beast. Questions or comments? Well next week we'll be looking at chapter 18. Feel free to go ahead and be looking at that and talks about Babylon again. But this time after, verse, after the end of chapter 17, Babylon, the harlot, the false religion, is no more. So now we're going to be seeing what Babylon represents after that ha- after the halfway point. Okay? We're getting close. Next week will be chapter 18, and we do have 19, 20, 21, 22 left. And it gets real interesting after chapter 18. You see, Jesus, that's a good sign. All right, well, let's close with a time of prayer. Lord, we love you. Lord, we know that there are many in our midst that don't know you truly as Savior and Lord.